Hello, lovers of horses and lovers of mystery. Welcome to the podcast that unites them both. This is Horse Mystery, a podcast all about mysteries involving horses. Sometimes the horses cause the mysteries, or do they? I'm not sure. I don't think we've had one yet, but they might. <laughs> you never know. Usually it's human related. It seems to be. Horses seem to be the uh, involuntary victim of uh, human depravity. But hey, that's what Horse Mysteries is all about, everyone. My name is David Dedrick. My name's Lisa Williamson. And this is our uh, seventh episode? Seventh episode of season three, yes. Seventh episode of season three. But before we get to the main part of the show, Lisa's story for this week's episode, because she's going to be carrying the show on her, her back, and I'll be sitting here just relaxing, eating candy. But before we get to there, I have to make Lisa do some more work, and that is horse bits. Horse bits, everyone. And today I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about the horse's skin and their hair. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, the horse's skin is the largest organ in the horse's body. I didn't realize a skin is an organ. Yeah, Does that is. count for humans as well? Yeah, yeah. It's an organ. Yeah, it's con- yeah classified as an organ. So. Well, I guess it has it c- contains blood, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is like doing stuff with yeah, the blood. Yeah, and it has cells that are specialized, and it has a purpose. So, yeah, one of the things it does is it just helps to. Maintain the integrity of the animal, yeah. but it acts as, as our skin does, protection sure. of the inside parts sure. as well. Not just protection, holding things in, but stopping things from getting in, like germs, etc. Oh, um, I was thinking like needles. <laughs> not possibly. Yeah, sticks. even that, even that. <laughs> but yeah, primarily, primarily it stops germs from entering because if you get an abrasion, a little cut, then there's an opening and that will allow entrance of germs, etc., but yeah, skin also is where hair grows from, and the hair has a purpose as well. But there's a particular kind of horse called the Akalteki, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, A-K-H-A-L-T-E-K-E. Um, and it kind of looks a little bit like a supermodel thoroughbred, like very tall and <laughs> skinny and rangy, even more so than your average thoroughbred. Okay. But they're known for their coat that has a particular almost metallic sheen to it and yeah that is because i've read their hair shafts are like it's colorless and hollow and so the sun goes through and just basically makes like almost a rainbow Hmm. in it which is cool but i have a student who has a a mare who's chestnut who is a thoroughbred who does have a coat like that and yeah just like shimmers in the sun yeah it's very very pretty. Are these uh, thir- are these horses also known for their smize? For their what? Oh, that's just something from uh, America's Next Top Model. What was oh a, 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 smile with their eyes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say about skin. Okay. Um, <laughs> we don't get carried away. No, exhausted the topic. Probably from an exhausted person sitting in a room that's like. 40 degrees because we're in a heat wave. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been teaching all day at a camp. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to the next topic. All right. Well, so let's get on to the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Episode seven. What is this one called, dear? This one is called... Well, what was the theme of this season? Do you remember, sir? Uh... 
was it movies that it all was the, movies yes that all the all most almost but not all no no but all. most of the episodes that we've discussed this year you could watch on on film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and that would be farlap yeah farlap the one about the disney horse the one next episode which we haven't seen yet okay oh that one about the doctor who killed his wife is that what yeah Yeah. killed his poison his wife and then he got killed by her dad theoretically as are my theory anyway (laughs) and i think there was another one anyway yeah there was quite a few movies Mm -hmm. in this one yeah and this episode no different oh okay because if you remember season two i i actually did have a little bit prepared but it was less than usual because i asked your opinion Oh, something yes which was about you know our what are those guys called horse whispers horse whispers factor yes. fiction yes i so, had i had strong opinions about that yeah yeah so People care to go back and... this is another ask dave episode episode oh, seven ask okay. dave episode so i'm turning it over to you sir oh, because no. yeah i have prepared absolutely nothing <laughs> and this could be an amazingly short show <laughs> so my my question to you is yeah why is it so hard to make a good horse movie? That is a good mystery, I think. Okay, totally, well, yeah, different from our usual mysteries, sure, but sure. yeah. Well, I would have some, I would I would have some theories about that actually. I'm glad you asked me. Yes. Let me get my pipe out and sit <laughs> back here. Well, I think the first question I would ask you ask you though is that are you unsatisfied with these movies? With what all horse movies? Yeah, pretty much. Yes, yes. And I think that's. I don't think that's universal. I think that's specific to you and specific to people who are... Me, personally? Who are knowledgeable about horses. So movies would have a hard time. Like when you watch a movie or when you watch a TV show, and I first experienced this when when, uh, we used to watch The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Mm -hmm. with the great Bruce Campbell. And we would watch it and you go, oh, it would be the same horse. It would be the horse in the show, whatever his horse is called, Comet or whatever. Yeah, I think it was Comet. Yeah. And you would go, oh, that's a different horse. Oh, they've changed horses again. Oh, this is a different... Oh, that's the same horse again, but this is... you know. And so I'm watching, I'm just going like, that's the same horse. <laughs> it's uh, got... It's a, it's a... You know, it's like a Palomino or whatever. Like, not a Palomino. I think like it was a, a chestnut. I don't know if it was a chestnut. I think it was like a... One of those kind of golden ones that have like oh, a... okay. That would be Palomino. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I sort of remember now. Yeah. yeah. Long time ago. It was a long time ago. But when you watch a movie, you always do that. Like, you are always aware of when the horse is no longer the horse, when they brought in, like, the close-up expert horse or the falling-down horse or whatever. Like, these are all different skills that not many horses can master. So they'll have, you know, three or four backup horses in any movie. So whether we're watching Dream Horse that came out, like, last year or whatever, the one about the Welsh people. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I think they're Welsh. Anyway, yeah, people they, who... Yeah, they're Welsh. Yeah, they owned a bar or something. Or they sold the horse in the bar or bought the bar. Yeah, well, they sold shares. They yeah, sold shares yeah, in their, in their the racehorse the yeah. to, to the people in the village, yeah. And, or whatever, you know, I am perfectly satisfied with the film, whereas you are somewhat grumbly about the fact that <laughs> it's not even a real a steeplechase horse you'll get upset about. You know, that horse isn't even... That horse couldn't win a race, you know, and you're all mad because, you know, they just have some some acting horse, you know, like, it would be like getting mad. Well, I can't use Tom Cruise as an example because he pretty much does actual things in the movies. But it's like getting mad at Vin Diesel because he can't actually fly a car to the moon, you know, and you're just like, well, this is fake. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's a movie. Of course it's fake. But I do think that any kind, the problem with most horse films is that they're they're mostly biopics. 
they're mostly based in reality. Like even Dream Horse is based in a true story. Mm-hmm. But I would question how real that story is. The same way I would question how real the story of Secretariat is in the movie, how real the story of Seabiscuit is in the movie, because all films have to have a certain amount of artifice in order to make them into a movie. Like, you can't tell the exact real story of these people because you would hate them. Mm-hmm. You, would yeah. hate, you would hate jockeys because jockeys live disgusting lives. Yes. Because they are, they're, you know, the world they live in is a very trans, transient world where they go from stable to stable, racetrack to racetrack, and their lives are unfixed. And, you know, a lot of them have various problems. Some, 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 some of them have substance abuse problems, but they're all kinds, you know, there's very few, like, really, like, you know, stellar guys that you want to, like, put on a pe- pedestal and say, look at this, look at this jockey here. Mm-hmm. Kids, I want you to imitate this person. No, you wouldn't do that because it's just the nature of the life they live. Partly that, and partly also the fact that it's an incredibly physically demanding job, not only riding the horse, but also keeping your weight off and stuff like that, which requires yes. a, a lot of, either you have discipline or you have the extreme lack of discipline. In both cases, you will be really skinny, mm-hmm. you know, and one is easier than the other. And I think we know which one that is. Yeah, yeah. And so that's an issue. So when you have like a character in Seabiscuit, the jockey character in Seabiscuit, who's a very sympathetic character in the movie, I don't in real life he was that sympathetic a person. Although they do show him like in a brothel and stuff like that in Mexico, I think in the film. Yeah, they do. But, but yeah, it's done in such a way. over my head anyway when we watched. <laughs> yeah, it's done in such a way that you're kind of like, is it a brothel? It seems pretty like a pretty friendly place. Not at all like a place of business where people are, <laughs> people's bodies are being sold willy nilly. So yeah, it's just it's just the nature of of the the movies, you know. And so and then also you know like older films have their own point of view, and new films have their own their own point of, like newer films have their own point of view. But they have to kind of match the times, right? So if you're going to do a film about Secretariat now, you're going to put more emphasis on the Charlize Theron character because we want to we want to emphasize women's roles in these stories even if her role wasn't quite as big as it is in the movie and there's more lots of peop, lots of moving parts going around around her you know it's better for the movie if we make her the central character and we kind of make her the controlling force which is probably unlikely mostly in these sort of situations the trainers doing all calling all the shots and it's the owners are just kind of like a dur <laughs> Those are the money people. They're not the horse people, mm-hmm, you know. And it mm-hmm. takes a lot of a lot of skill, you know. And it's silly to pretend that you know someone who just inherits a horse is going to suddenly be like a superstar uh, race person. They might be wise mm-hmm. and wise enough to know that they're not a superstar race person and be willing to let someone else take the reins. No pun intended. But yeah, I, I mean, I have read that that Penny Chenry, who owned Secretariat, yeah. had an affair with Lucius Lauren. I think that was his name. The okay. trainer. Okay. Which wasn't explored in the movie at all. Sure. Yeah, because that would make her very unsympathetic. But it would probably make her a little bit more of a decision maker as mm. well. Yeah. So maybe as an empowered woman, that aspect would be put in a movie nowadays if it was made in 2023. So yeah, that's know. an interesting point. It's not, I mean, the movie's not that old, but maybe it is old enough that they had a different mm-hmm. uh, different idea of what a, what, a, what a woman should do in that time period. Right. But it's not wrong to do that. I'm not, and like, it's not a criticism of films because films need to make compelling stories that will be appealing to the people, you know. And so, like, something like National Velvet now would seem very silly to modern audiences. Yeah, I, you know? I've seen it. I don't like it. <laughs> well, I, I don't, it's not that I don't like it. It's, I don't think it's terrible, but I'm just like, what's so great about it? What's so great about it? What's so great about it is that it's a childhood fantasy of owning a horse, which you don't have to have because you grew up 
Owning as a, a child horse. owning a horse. So you are looking at it from a different point of view. Like to any young girl re- watching that movie who doesn't have a horse, that is a magical thing. Like Black Beauty, that is a magical thing. The idea that a horse will come into your life and transport you and bring you to... Or Black Stallion, are you thinking? Or Black Stallion, yeah, yeah. sorry, Black Stallion. Yeah. The Black Stallion. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Yeah. It's not a sorry. Black Stallion. Okay. Yeah, the Black. The definite article. Yeah. The Black. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I think that for you, these films... They they have a hard time ringing true for you because you know you grew up in a family that was involved in the ra- in the in the race track world, so you know the good and bad of it. You were involved in the race track world. You exercised racehorses. You know the good and the bad of it. You, uh, you know you know a lot about horses. So when you're watching a movie and they say something silly, you know this horse has colic up its nose. You're gonna be like colic up its nose. That's stupid. Whereas most everyone else in the audience is gonna be like, oh my god, he has colic up his nose. Yeah. And and the whinnies, and the whinnies, <laughs> the, the the whinnies that yeah permeate every horse movie. Yeah, a horse would never whinny at that point. A horse would never whinny in that tone. Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's you know they don't people who make movies don't understand horse communication because mm-hmm. they didn't grow up around horses. You know, like so so you know when you watch them, like I think the reason you love the horse in the gray flannel suit is that it's it. Basically, I think you could, I think you could like not watch almost the entire movie and just watch the jumping sequences and you would think it was the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, yeah, it is good for that. But for me, I will totally admit it's a very, yeah, very nostalgic, (laughs) sentimental movie because when I was in Pony Club, every single Christmas party, we watched that movie. But also, my horse looked exactly like the horse Aspersol. I mean, Chippy, I mean, he could have been a double for that horse. Yeah. Yeah, I think I identified with that character and I identified with the horse. But also, I think the, a lot of the teaching part, like, really rings true Mm -hmm. and just sort of the, things that happen like and i've read the book as well which okay. is quite different uh-huh. um i mean it generally follows the same thing but sure. yeah you, you have the girl who grows up and then gets interested in boys and off she goes even yeah. though she has this yeah. wonderful horse you yeah. have the pressures of you know having to win and coming from all these outside places i mean for kids nowadays it would be from instagram and things like that but yeah. back then it was from her dad's boss who was the owner of the horse <laughs> yeah. but then you also have yeah all those scenes of the jumping at i guess madison square gardens mm-hmm. which were yeah really awesome so <laughs> i love that too so there's a lot well it's like a real it. snapshot of a different time when yes when like you see people dressed in like military uniforms jumping mm-hmm. like and they're wearing their military uniforms yes. because that's was considered riding uniform or part yeah. of riding you know yeah and like when i was young we would go to the pne and the um, mexican team there was a Mexican Olympic team would come up and ride yeah. and they would all be military officers. And okay. the odd time you would have, yeah, people from the Canadian or other teams, the Irish or British. I don't think the British came, but yeah, a few team members would come. U.S. quite often, Canada. Yeah. And the odd time you'd get someone in military uniform. So that was not unusual back then. And of course, you know, up until 19... 19- or 48, I think, or yeah, after World War II. Anyways, prior to that, everyone pretty much that was in the Olympics was a military officer. And then it became open to civilians. And it wasn't open to women until the 19, early 1960s. So 
That's another thing with horse and gray flannel suit is like the prominent role of a woman mm. in that. In that, yeah, yeah, yeah where she's the riding, she's yeah. the riding the trainer and mm-hmm. the coach. Yeah, that's that's also interesting in that mm-hmm. film. But, but he, yeah, need, I mean, he needed a love interest, so he had he couldn't have two guys doing training. Not in the sixties, <laughs> but uh, not that it didn't not exist in that world. But mm-hmm. that just that uh, movie worlds wouldn't movie. Uh, Disney Studios at that time were not as accepting. As no, Disney and unfortunately, yeah, that movie did not do well in the box office. Is that right? We, oh yeah, it was a big flopper. Oh. So, which makes me sad. It was a good movie. <laughs> I like it. It is a good movie. It is a good movie, but it's just one of those things where. It appeals. I mean, the problem with that movie, maybe it's too real. And something like National Velvet or International Velvet is so unreal. Yeah, yeah, very fantasy. N- yeah, yeah. And that's the charm of that film is that for you know for someone who spends all day long drawing horses in the corner of their of their note their school book, uh, that's that's the appeal. The idea of having to work so hard and to have to go through all the tribute trial and tribulation of you know Aspercell and 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 going and actually getting to you know madison square garden and all that rest, all the rest of it it just seems like a, it's not it's not fulfilling because mm-hmm. it's not easy mm-hmm. that movie doesn't make it look easy no whereas the you know no and then you do all that hard work and you don't even go yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so yeah it's just it's it's uh it kind of fails on the it, 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 it's it's real but that's the problem with it mm-hmm. i think for 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 you know fa- fantasists for, yeah for the average viewer to me where i think um, horses in movies work best and where I love to see them are in westerns because they're not about it's not about the horse but you have incredibly skilled horsemen working with the horses in those movies like not necessarily not necessarily the main actors although a lot of actors of that time period grew up riding horses and were able to ride horses so you're talking like movies from like John Wayne era John Wayne but I, yeah I mean I'm not too familiar with the earlier Stuff. I'm not even familiar with the early John Wayne movies where, you know, he made like 50 movies a year or whatever. That's maybe an exaggeration. But he made a lot of movies when he first started that were, you know, just kind of like B-movies where this had a really simple pl- plot. and and But they were pretty low budget as well. But yeah, I'm thinking more like the John Ford ones that he did in the, in the I guess, late 40s, the fi- in the 50s and stuff like that. You know, Ford, Ford Apache and She Wore a Yellow Ribbon and things like that. Where you can see you know, his skill as a writer, but you can also see like the stuntman skill as writers. And a lot of them were actors in the films. And then they were also like super writers. Yes. And I think I showed you that scene, one scene one time of a guy just hopping on a horse and like just burning through the painted desert, which is where John Ford liked to film most of his movies. Okay. And, you know, you can see like how people rode horses in those days. And mm-hmm. I kind of like, I appreciate that reality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I know there's it's a, a, it was a hard life for them and for the horses. Yes. Yeah. Sef- definitely for the horses. Cause I, yeah, I know there's an event trainer locally who, um, her favorite phrase is ride it like you stole it. <laughs> and I think that to me is why I maybe don't like those movies so much yeah, because yeah. that's exactly the sentiment. Um, yeah. They're little more than vehicles. Well, they were, and that's. But the, I mean, it's you know that's the problem though. When when you romanticize something that was a was a utility, mm-hmm. you know whether it's a car or a horse, car, the cars are different, of course, because they don't have feelings. They don't. They're not. They're not sentient. Sen- sentient yeah. beings. But you know when you romanticize it, you forget that they're they only exist to serve us. Yes. Yeah. You know, like but... if we didn't use horses, they wouldn't be around. Mm-hmm. Because they're just they're too much for to have around without without some purpose to them. Yes, yeah. 
But, um, I mean, they have served for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So we've got to give them that. But um, <laughs> Well, yes, because because we only, uh, it only became a mechanical society or a mechanized society in like the mid-Victorian era would probably be what, when the steam engine was invented or whatever. Like up before that time, everything was even past that point. You know, up until the 1940s, people were still using horses on far- on farms. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. unusual to have farm farm you know farm horses pulling plows and, mm-hmm. and doing all the, yeah. the hard labor. But yeah, I know that they had um, a high rate of horse deaths in those cowboy movies with all like the trip wires mm, and things mm. when you see people get shot yeah, and the so horse good. goes down. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of nowadays why you've got that no animal was harmed in the making sure, of this movie sure, thing. Yeah, so yeah. that's a definite um, step forward, I think, <laughs> and a, a difference that we see between then yeah. and now in movies for sure. Yeah. But I mean, even the stunt people, one of the girls I teach, her dad was a stuntman. Yeah. And um, I think he like broke his back mm. because he was on some film shoot in Calgary and the director's like this, like, go gallop across the desert and then you're going to get shot. And they had hooked him up to some wire on his back and he just like hit, it's kind of like a dog on a chain running and all of a sudden they hit the end of the wire and look, you know, they're, they're spun around in their body by their neck. And that's exactly what happened to him. The horse kept going and he just got pulled off backwards Mm. and just landed very unceremoniously and had to get airlifted out wow. and yeah i think doesn't sound like a very professional shoot to no be no but it was a big shoot like uh, it, it was a big movie if yeah. i said the name of it you go oh okay because i've heard of it myself yeah. but um yeah it sounds like it was yeah it might have been a big money shoot that's well known but yeah not very professionally run mm. at least in that department yeah that was probably 20 years ago so not that mm. distant past yeah. but yeah. yeah any of those people whether it's the horses or the stuntmen it's a it's a hard go for any of those yeah, I don't know if we've exhausted that topic or if you have any more to say about it. Is this the whole show? Is this going to be talking about... you talking about movies. <laughs> so you talked about my favorite horse movie. So what would you say your favorite horse movie is? What, one that's directly about horses? Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't think I've ever seen what would be my favorite horse movie. And this is ter- yeah, okay, terribly yeah. politically incorrect. Yeah, no, but that, it's fair. Yeah. But I would love to see like an adaptation of an Anthony Trollope hunting se- sequence. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I think he wrote beautifully about hunting. Uh, because he did hunt, mm-hmm. he did hunt, do well, fox hunting. Many people did back then. Yeah. Yes, yes, and uh, as well, you know, as, as well as you know, working for the post office, you know, having a family and a wife and, and a home to run, and and then uh, uh, writing 40, 48 novels plus countless short stories and travel books. He also hunted, but yeah, uh, his description, even something as early as I think, like his third novel, the Kellys and the O'Kellys, he has this great description of of I, an Irish fox hunt which is totally different than an english oh, fox yeah, hunt. yeah yeah <laughs> and his description but it's not a description of like the you know the pell-mell race across the fields mm-hmm. it's the personalities of the people on their horses yes. the impatient people racing up and down the line the old hands you know kylie getting drunk because they wait for the mm-hmm. wait for things to get organized just and in some books it'll just be like the bitter disappointment of a terrible hunt where the fox goes the wrong way and ends up just destroying itself and everyone just, oh, well, that was a waste of time because mm-hmm. we just went out here, you know, just, the fox just turned around and just ran right into the hounds rather than running away, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, so it's just a big disappointment for everyone because the point of it was to, to ch- chase yeah, across the field. Yeah, spend the, the afternoon or morning, yeah, yeah. Yeah, spend the morning 
running pell-mell, making crazy jumps. Uh, in one of my favorite novels by him, um, Can You Forgive Her? There's a great description of, of a, of a, of a hunt with, with all, but also with like horse injury and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, which I think would have been part of the, part of that time as well. Oh, very much. Yeah. And it features fairly prominently as the kind of the first bad thing that happens, for instance, in the Black Beauty book. Okay. Is when yeah. he sees his brother and he doesn't realize it's, it's his brother. He's still a foal at foot with his mom in a field. Okay. And then they hear this noise and it turns out it's a hunt yeah. coming across and, Two horses go down in this particularly bad section. Yeah. And the mother said, because the horses can talk in that movie, oh my, that was a, a very gr- great horse called Rob Roy. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't find out, Black Beauty didn't find out till later that that was his brother. So that was his mother seeing her son die. Yeah. 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 In this book, the this one character who loves hunting and is considered like, uh, you know, a great huntsman. And there's even a scene describes him like, um, using barbells, you know, so he's, he actually has like a, a physical fitness regime, you know, to keep up his his riding. Uh, but he gets this really bad horse, just like a cantankerous, like absolute monster. And he's just trying to like, the whole time it's just him struggling, holding the reins and trying to like control this thing, you know, try to keep it on course and, and, and you know, it ends in disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastically described sequence. And it's something that I would, I would love to see in a movie. Uh, I don't know if we could do that now because, as I said, movies have to reflect the times, and the times are a change. And they definitely, you know, people don't really yeah. like uh, no. horse. Horse. Or, no, you could or only show hunting. that movie in uh, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it's only people who are nowadays who who would appreciate it. Yeah, and I don't know what's what's worse for a fox: getting chased across the field by by people on horses or getting run over by a car, which we saw countless <laughs> fox corpses when we were driving around England, which I have not noticed before. No, no. But someone did mention that, yeah, the fox are overrunning the UK. But we saw lots of badgers, too, when we were in southern England, yeah. which I'd never seen before. But maybe mm-hmm. that was just a location thing. That could have been a location yeah. thing or just a seasonal thing. And also, we, you never know where you are in the cycle of animals as mm-hmm. well, because they can have a high birth, have a high cycle where their population is overrunning itself and right. then there'll be a there'll be a almost a low si- yeah a, a seven year back, cycle a seven yeah. year cycle a low cycle it seems like they want to self-immolate so i always think of that time when i was driving and i saw this deer that had been hit someone was pulled over and they're actually dressing it on the side of the road oh, wow. you know which means they're like gutting it mm-hmm. and stuff to, to and just to explain to listeners i know you know what it is <laughs> um but then i and i was like oh wow what's the poor deer you know and then uh but lucky guy and then um and then i was going to pick up my, my daughter somewhere and I was going up this little road and this deer came out of the woods and started running into the side of my car. And my car was a very small hatchback. He would probably would just like run over, like just mm-hmm. knock my car upside down into the <laughs> ditch. And so I was like trying to like steer away from it, but it was like running to me. It mm-hmm. wasn't like running away from me. It was like, oh, a car, ah. And I was like, oh, here's something I can run into. And I was like having to like, oh, I was afraid I was going to dive into the ditch to get away from this thing. Mm-hmm. And it finally kind of peeled off and went the other way and then another one ran out and fo- to follow it yeah that's a problem with deer is if you see one you always have to slow down <laughs> yeah. because there's probably more following yes. but yeah i almost hit a deer this morning too and it really slam on the brakes yeah and it's uh it's oh you know where i saw a deer that was yesterday when i was coming back down from the from the cabin there was a deer right beside the freeway in in this mall eating grass and from like the little little uh thing that controls tra- traffic coming into the parking lot <laughs> Like a little island. That's what yeah. it's called, an island. Yeah, I was just sitting there. Was the, and then there was another one like laying down in the, in the grass along the side of the... Hmm. I was like, get out of here, you guys. Yeah. Way better places to be. This is like just full of forest. Yeah. What are you doing hanging around here, goofballs? Yeah. 
but I, I know, they didn't they couldn't understand me so i had to stop <laughs> but yeah uh i would love to um that's me i would love to see but i i don't know i'm I, like i'm not i'm not as in love with horses as you are so what i you know to me like that's a mystery why is it? <laughs> <laughs> Dear, no one is in less love with horses as you are. I mean, I like horses a lot. And I've really learned to appreciate them through you. Because mm-hmm. obviously I did not grow up with horses. You know, I didn't even grow up drawing horses. So, you know, the first time I saw a horse, I was terrified of it. Not the first time I rode one. Mm-hmm. That was fine. I was a dumb kid. But the first time I stood in front of one with its all its ginormity and its huge head, I was just like, oh, this is kind of scary. These are scary <laughs> things. Which didn't occur to me before as a kid. I mm-hmm. guess because I was always at the side of it going up on the right. saddle. I wasn't standing at the head the head end with the possibility it was just going to tip its head back and crush my skull with one, <laughs> one single blow. I didn't realize at this point that horses are dumb. Or not dumb, but yeah, tame. Mm-hmm. Domesticated. Right. They're not out to get you. Mm-hmm. Most of them are not to get you. There's the one. That one, though, crush your skull with mm-hmm. one swing of its ginormous head. Yeah, I guess it's a possibility. <laughs> not a commonality, fortunately. <laughs> um, but, ah, gee, it's so hard to think of and that's the other thing, like, I would never, uh, the only time I ever said I was going to watch a horse movie was, I, I was pretending I was going to watch Champion, just spoke my mom because the person was dying of cancer in the movie, and that's when I had cancer. <laughs> so I was pretending that I was going to go over to my friend's house and watch Terms of Endearment and Champion, which was most not funny, and Brian's song. So three, three, three movies that night. But um, I'm going to say, I'll, you know what, I'm going to say Seabiscuit. Yeah, I like Seabiscuit. I think I that's like a really good movie. Yeah. I don't, I know it's not totally accurate, mm-hmm. but I think as like a, as a film, it's really good. Like it yeah. tells a really a ripping story, as mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of the horse stuff is is very sort of realistic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think the jockey stuff is realistic. Mm-hmm. Like I think how hard their life is is realistic in that film, and how you know, how especially f- at that time yeah. too. Yeah, because yeah, they, they like uh, Red Pollard came like from nothing. Like they were so poor out in Alberta. Yeah. To travel all the way down to the U.S. by himself. He mm. was just a little boy yeah, you know, yeah. when you think of it. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I, I think that is a good, very good movie. Good story. And, yeah. And it's an interesting time. Like, this, the popularity of, of horse racing at that time. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to see, like, hundreds of thousands of people that are teeming to see, like, these horses race. Yeah. It's amazing. Because nowadays, people will, people will be interested in the Kentucky Derby because it has some cachet and it has some some PR to it mm-hmm. but no one's teaming to see horse races anymore like no. that's just gone it's gone the way of boxing basically you know mm-hmm. these are these are things that people that people just aren't interested in they once upon a time you know everyone loved boxing didn't matter who you were whether you were a, a you know a, a warehouse you know a dock worker or a professor of linguistics you were interested in boxing at one time and that is all that has gone away now it's a very mm-hmm. it's a very niche interest and uh, horse racing is too. Although when we were in England, we spent the whole day. We spent the whole day flipping <laughs> between on one channel. What was it? Five different racetracks. Yeah, yeah. A race would finish at one track, and then they'd flip. Yeah, there was I think three different ones in England that we were looking at, and then yeah. when the England ones were over, they'd go up to France and then back to the England, and they just ran through the cycle there. Mm-hmm. And so it mm-hmm. was like, yeah, all racing all the time. Yeah, which was interesting. Yeah, not not interesting to me, but. Someone interesting to someone. Well, yeah, interesting to my uncle who has no interest in horses <laughs> at all, but every little bit of interest in betting. He likes a little, he likes a flutter. Yeah, and but he does go out to well, I guess, what was it in March? He goes to the 
The, the steeplechase. Big steeplechase. Cheltenham. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to say it like him. Cheltenham, Lisa. <laughs> Yes, he had a good system going though, where he he uh, bet on any horse you liked. No, no, he bet he bet like, any horse that you didn't didn't. Yeah, say yeah. Liked. That's eventually we yeah. resolved that. Yeah, the if best... I picked three horses, he would pick the other ones because mine. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I would get like a first, a third, and a last. Yeah, that's you, when I was hot. You're but... going purely on aesthetics. Yes, yeah. You're just going like, yeah, my, would I like to ride that horse? Yeah, well, my my last place horse was almost always my show horse. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I was picking them based on the Dick Francis method, which was like walking with their head low and a great big overstep okay. behind, which okay. is what he said you want in a steeplechase. Steeplechase, but yeah. were you were you betting on were you on steeplechase then, or was were this? We, uh... I think <laughs> I, I can't even remember if we were. Well, I think we didn't know ahead of time. I yeah. didn't know ahead of time if we were going to be watching a steeplechase or if we were going to yeah. watch a flat race. I think most of the time they were steeplechases. I was a little disappointed in the steeplechase there, where it's just like a piece oh, it of was knitting. just hurdles. Just yeah. hurdles, yeah. The hurdles just kinda... is a little different from mm. steeplechase. Hurdles is kind of like the training grounds. I guess they reached the, they raced, they used those in uh, Dream Horse. They had hurdles in that movie. Yes, yeah, I yeah. think they did. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yes, that's my uh, that's my vote. Okay. I think the best use of horses, though, in a movie, personally speaking, is mm-hmm. uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Why don't talk about that? <laughs> What's that, sorry? Is that the one where they have the coconut? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't have a budget. They didn't have enough money, money to have horses. That's yeah. right. Well, that's good. <laughs> and that is good. Like, I think that that is way better than having a horse in a movie. That is way better than having a horse in a movie. Why do you say that? Oh, because if they were riding by on a horse, I don't know, there's like nothing that could... I don't know. It just brings well. It brings a very Monty Python esque. Uh, yeah. Well, you wouldn't have the moment. discussion of yeah. of swallows carrying coconuts mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, which yeah. is a great, which is a great sketch. But yeah, I think I, I would agree with you. I think that it it allows for way more comedy to have them on their feet with one person behind them cl- clacking coconuts, mm-hmm. and it makes for more possibilities. Where they're on horses, they're always above everything mm-hmm. and, and almost untouchable in a way. Yeah. So less affected by what's happening. Mm-hmm. So really, in a, in a way, that movie it benefited from its it did its very own, much so. its own limitations, so. yeah. which is usually the case that most films benefit more from their limitations than they they gain from having excess. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Okay, I've nominated my favorite horse movie. Okay, all right. Can I ask you about some your opinion of them? Sure. Okay. What do you think about Lean on Pete? That's my second choice. Oh, Lean on Pete. Well, that's a very interesting film because it deals with it deals with social anomie. It deals with the, with our dis- disconnect from life, mm-hmm. and I think our disconnect from nature. And I think that no matter how much we say we love nature, now I think people are very re- remote, f- removed from nature. Mm-hmm. Even people who go for hikes and stuff like that are removed from nature. Right? They're almost they're you know they don't want nature in their way of their hikes. You know, like it would be too much to have too much nature in what you're doing Mm -hmm. so everything we do is very controlled now and stuff i don't think we really appreciate animals as animals we want animals to be like bambi creatures not to be like actual animals Mm -hmm. but i think when that in that movie the horse in the movie lean on pete is the name of the horse you know represents for this boy people haven't seen this film i highly recommend it it was on tubi i don't know if it's still there but it's free on tubi or at least it was but it's a fantastic film Great acting. It has uh, Steve Buscemi in it. It has um, uh, Chloe Sevigny. 
and then other actors who I don't know, but who are all really good. Mm-hmm. And the boy, and the, boy the, the actor who plays the boy in the film is fantastic. He is very good. And I think that was a brilliant piece of casting to me. Yeah. Because he is a horse. <laughs> like, like he is the human yeah. representative of what a horse is. Yeah. Because, you know, he's like built like a horse. He's like long legged and cultish when you see sure. him the very first time he's running, like yes, he's out he's jogging. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got. And he's running at the end of the film too. Yeah. And he's got absolutely nothing to gain from it. Like that is made clear because of his family situation. Sure. Like. It talks about how in his previous school, he was on the football team, um, but his dad's such a ne'er-do-well, mm-hmm. and his mom's completely disappeared, and he's not even in a school at this point, so yeah. why keep running? But he runs because he can. Like, yeah. He yeah. he was born to be an athlete, this boy. Yeah. And even like his big forelock that he's got, <laughs> like his hair is mm. like that of a horse, yeah. right? And so... And then he's just like thrown into this environment at the racetrack yeah. that, cruel. again, cruel. And he is just subject to all the things that are done to him. Yeah. And they kind of are nice to him. Yeah. But at the same time. They're nice to him in as much as they can be nice to anyone. Right. You and know, it's as, this. And, and as, with, uh, what serves their purposes. Yeah. To be nice and it's exactly. Much what like a happens, horse. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what happens to the horse. So yeah. I think, you know, on some level, he obviously recognizes that identifies with this horse and that's where the connection is made and i think i can't remember the name of the director like h-a-u-g-a-h-a-u-g-h yeah i think that was his last name he's a british director okay anyway um I think that thing you were talking I about. I think so. It's Willie something who wrote the, the story. Yeah. Vluton. Vluton. Something like yeah. that. Um, but he was in Not Fountains of Wayne. Some band. You know, uh, the Fontaines? La Fontaine, yeah. The Fontaines, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the... Or, no. I can't remember now. No, I, I looked it up about a month ago <laughs> and I'd forgotten. But anyway, yeah, he's in a, a indie band, yeah. but he's been very successful at, at a certain level as a writer, mm-hmm. but his theme is always the same and his characters are always very similar. But okay. I think this particular movie just showcases all of those types. Yeah. The throwaway humans yeah. that we have that humanity has discarded yeah. on different levels like the the guys who were the former soldiers the Iraqi um, vets yeah, yeah yeah and all of these people who have just been discarded by society who are very sympathetic to the boy oh, very very and kind of help him on this journey yeah. that he's on yeah. um but yeah, prior to meeting most of those people, there is that scene where, you know, he runs away with the horse and he's going through nature after the truck breaks down and he's just having to walk and yeah, lead the horse. Yeah. And like there, that to me, that was just like a love story to America <laughs> in that it's just showcasing all this beauty that, again, we don't see, we don't appreciate. Yeah. And we live past it yeah. right we don't live in it mm-hmm. we we live past it yeah. and cuz we're going somewhere else yeah he yeah. is in it yeah you know he sees this horse and he sees himself in the horse and he has to save someone and then he ends up in this place that we as a society don't see and don't appreciate yeah but then he moves on out of there as yeah. well but he has the strength to, to overcome that mhm but no, I think for all those reasons, like as far as the 
what we see with the horses, yeah, it's not a happy movie. It's not a happy horse movie. But I think it's a very realistic horse movie. Yeah. Like, I remember you saying something about, they're drugging the horses at the track? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, still drugging the horses at the track. Yeah, cause... yeah. But, I mean, because that was, like, a not even a B track, right? It yeah. was, like, a bush track. Yeah, yeah. So, I doubt there's any drug testing at places mm. like that. And just, there you was, know. but because they have tricks oh, they to get around they had to hide. It. Yeah, yeah, they hide from them. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can hide from them. At a big track, there's no option, really. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and just the fact that they're taking this horse that's on the verge of breaking down and continuing to run it because they've got to get some money out of it and just the harsh realities mm-hmm. of that life. But, yeah, yeah to me... It's yeah, because if that horse isn't isn't racing, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. the it's not just worthless; it is a liability. It's yeah. costing you money, yeah. right? It's going from it's... something that could make you money yeah. to something that is now costing you money. Sure. So it's worth it's sure. worse than worthless. And the young boy, that, that not just sees this happening to Pete, but he also recognizes he is the same as Pete. Yeah, yeah. That he is he is only as has value as far as. He is useful to these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once he's no longer of use, he is disposable. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know what? I might put, I wouldn't really think of that as a horse movie, but I might put that over Seabiscuit, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. Like, Seabiscuit is, I think, a great story. Yeah. And it's a happy story. <laughs> and yeah. there's so many wonderful things about it. And I think it's a good look at that time. And it's realistic. To a degree. Yeah. But I think that Lean on Pete is far more thought-provoking. <laughs> yes, yeah, far for sure. More, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's a movie you walk out of, and and we've made it sound very gloomy, but it's actually very a ho- it's a very hopeful mm-hmm, film. Mm-hmm. It's full of love. Yes. Yeah. It's it important is. to say that about it. Yeah, it is very full of love, and yeah, Willie Vlotten, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, all his books are that way. Like mm. he he doesn't resent. Like, he's got no resentment in him, mm. is would be my take on his books. I've yeah. only read each of them once, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, even though all his characters are in these terrible situations, there's no resentment. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting way to be, I guess. And maybe as a resentful person. I don't, I don't think of myself <laughs> as that resentful. But, yeah, it, it is just to see people being that way. Yeah. Okay, I would say our daughter Eve's favorite horse movie. I don't know if you can say the word favorite, but <laughs> the one to her that I would think would be the most meaningful would be Riders. Riders, I don't know that one. You did. We saw it. I think maybe I'm saying the wrong name. The lady that won the Academy Award for Nomadland. Oh, The Rider. The Rider, is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. how did I forget that movie? I love that movie. <laughs> Gee whiz, I'm terrible at this. This is if I had no warning. <laughs> Unscripted. That's okay. <laughs> the I love the movie The Writer. I didn't, but why? Okay, well, let's talk about it then, because I'm curious. Let's so just to give a quick, quick description of what the film is about. This is a movie. It's almost, it's almost a documentary, mm-hmm. but not quite. It's almost. It's like a fictionalized, fictionalized docu- yeah, documentary, because yeah. it is based partly in reality, and it's based in a. But it's it's also made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in a, a similar but more so than she did in Nomadland because in Nomadland she used real people. Yeah, and they spoke in their own voice and I guess provided their own words, yeah. etc. And in this movie, the same thing was done, but pretty much everyone. Yes, everyone in the film, and 
and there are some fictional parts to it, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's telling about it for the main character. It's what actually happened to him mm-hmm. to to some degree. Yeah, and yeah, No Man Land is more made up because Francis McDormand lives as a multimillionaire who yes. lives in a big house somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but in this film, it's basically I think it's like North Dakota, South Dakota I area. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Because she had previously done a uh, documentary about the the Native Americans that live in that in that area, mm-hmm. and she met these people now these aren't they they aren't native americans these are are, are uh white people who live in uh, you know who farm and stuff like that but they're they seem to have a good relationship with with the native people there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh maybe because they're all poor yes so there's nothing you know there's they can't really there's nothing for them to yeah to, no social <laughs> except, yeah, yeah no social separation. separation yeah but in the film this boy is he's a young man who was riding rodeo but he came off his horse and his skull was stepped on by the by a horse and he suffered a serious concussion, and it's affected his ability to ride, and that's basically his livelihood. But not only his livelihood, it's also part of who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's not just yeah his livelihood, but affects his family, extended family, yeah. family etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's got the sister with Down syndrome, yeah. so there's people depending upon him. And his dad, I think, was alcoholic, if I remember. Right? A little shiftless, yeah. 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 He's also a horse guy, mm-hmm. but the kid is has the gift. Because we do have one of those wonderful scenes of someone training a horse and just connecting with a horse, mm-hmm. you know, in that kind of magical horse whisperer way yeah. that he doesn't make a fuss about mm-hmm. or do seminars about or travel around the world telling what, yeah. a, great, what yeah. a great horse trainer he is. He just does it for, for a job so he can make some money because he can't ride right now. And I, th- I read um, somewhere that the director, like, he, because they were just there. And Chloe, he Chloe had, yeah. Zhao? I think Chloe Zhao, yeah. yeah. Like he just had this horse in and he started working the horse mm-hmm. and she's like, roll cameras, we're rolling the camera. <laughs> and they just filmed him while he worked this horse for 40 minutes. Yeah. And obviously they've cut bits out of it mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more palatable, less boring for <laughs> um, non-horse people. But yeah. yeah, they piece it together in a really good way. Yeah. But yeah, you, you see him working this horse in a round pen from very well, essentially wild horse yeah. to you know getting on and backing the horse for the first time and yeah it's a it is a very good sequence the thing that i didn't like about it just was the i just found it very jarring the way they talked at the beginning and i'm like are these people amateur actors like i just didn't like that part and once i got okay. used to it then yeah. i was okay didn't, but didn't bother me no. i would have thought it would be the rodeo setting that would bother you more because oh, you, tend to, like be very, yeah, you yeah. tend to be very yeah you be very negative about rodeo yeah i know it was the other character his friend the one who had been injured in the bull riding thing yeah. that's really what stuck with eve our daughter mm. and mm. i think really was the thing that made her quit riding oh really oh yes oh yeah she's kind of mentioned that a couple times that um yeah she's just like oh my goodness and of course it was like a bull riding accident but at the same time it's all part of that world world, and it's not that far away from what potentially could happen to a person that rides horses so yeah yeah Yeah, i mean and it was the right time for her to move away because she was (laughs) in university and whatnot yeah i think it might have precipitated a little bit but i think there are other factors oh for sure for I sure i think if you love doing something you can overlook those sort of things mm-hmm. but it's when you n- no longer love it or when you no longer can do it that mm-hmm. that then then you're kind of like oh maybe ooh. yeah it's just one more <laughs> piece of evidence to yeah to, to continue <laughs> stepping away so yeah yeah, yeah. 
But no, that's, I think that's a very good film. I, I really love that film. Once again, it's a film full of love. Mm-hmm. The way that movie ends, you are, you, it ends on a, with a feeling where you're just like, oh, the world's the best place to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the end was very good. I just had a very hard time at the beginning. Yeah. And it, I, it, well, they're very taciturn. Yeah. They don't have much to say, you know, and so I wonder if for, if for Chloe Zhao, it's kind of like pulling teeth sometimes to try and get, like, the actors to commit to, like, discussing what they actually were feeling because mm-hmm. you know a lot of it's facial of course but they're also very they're equally stoic in their face as well right you know so they, they don't give very much away about themselves mm-hmm. and so you're she's probably a lot of times going like i need you to talk a little bit how you're feeling about this <laughs> and they're like what <laughs> do we do, say what yeah and i'm sure that i mean i'm sure that uh, other parts of it were absolutely spot on there's that scene where with uh with him with the uh native boys and uh, the, they're being very i don't know just kind of like full of life full of vigor you know like and just like sort of celebrating who they are and and in this way that's so so, so young mm-hmm. you know and it feels like it doesn't feel like that's how people would really act but it feels like it fits in that scene it fits yes, in the movie there yeah. you know like it doesn't feel like young boys are going to be like i'm like a wolf oh or whatever like that's <laughs> embarrassing why would you do that but in the movie, it works because it fits into the, the this kind of situation well, she's created in the film. and that life, too, yeah, a yeah. little bit more. Like, I think someone living there and living that life would be less hesitant to do something like that. Whereas yeah. us living this suburban <laughs> life close to, you know, a fairly big city. You're like, yeah. if you walked around going, I'm a wolf, woo. Uh, yeah. People would, like, look at a little askance at you. Yeah. I, and by wolf, I mean I'm, I'm the guy that Droopy beats every time in the cartoons. That's that's the wolf <laughs> I'm talking about. Droopy dog, everyone. Tex Avery, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, fabulous film. I I kind of liked it more than Lean on Pete. That movie. I, know. I didn't. I know we I know. saw them. <laughs> I think we <laughs> saw them so two together. days apart too. We, we, we saw, saw them really them close together. We went down to Bellingham for the one, and then yeah. we we saw um, we saw the writer down at uh, Tinseltown mm-hmm. in Vancouver. We had to go into Vancouver. We had to go to Bellingham to see one movie. We had to leave the country to see one film, and we had to drive all the way into Vancouver to see other. Just because the movies like that aren't just going to play where we are. So. No, and we live in horse country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still won't play out here. No, no, and even if we see a movie that's maybe even a little bit more popular, usually we have to go. Yeah, even like out to Chilliwack or something. You know what? Another movie I love. What? Buck. Oh, I was just going to bring Buck up. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. let's okay. talk about Buck. You talked about Buck before. You mentioned it a few times. Well, because in the we podcast. because we were talking about the the Horse Whisperer episode. I think okay, that's probably what. Yes. So Buck Branahan, I think. Branaman. Branaman, yeah. yeah. Who is a sort of horse whisperer mm-hmm. yeah, and doing is. the same thing as this young boy does in in the Rider, where right. he he just kind of you know uses this very calm demeanor to to kind of get the horse to calm down and. You know, and and they use a, a they use their body language and stuff, and it's very intuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, this yeah, shows they like read the horse. All yeah, the time. it yeah. this shows their experience. You know, that they've grown up with horses, and and uh, like I used to when I, I used to um, go with Lisa sometimes when she would go and ride some other someone else's horses, and Lisa could get on any horse and make it look like a million dollars. Can't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, there was a time that yeah. when you and, were younger. I mean, yeah. when I was younger, I could do more things too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's part of growing up, but or growing older. But when you were younger, you know, when you had all your sinew in you still, and you're made of you're made of made elastic, you made a cartilage. Yeah. cartilage. When you got on a horse, you joined that horse 
as one, like you and the horse were one, even if you'd never ridden that horse before. Mm-hmm. And you would look beautiful on that horse. And it was so funny because you'd get off the horse and I'd be like, what do you think? And you'd be like, nah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'd be like, what? You looked perfect on that horse. I just would, I couldn't understand what you didn't like about a horse, but I wasn't riding it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I didn't know how much work you were doing to get yeah. what you were getting, right? Like, it's kind of like Eve riding Harris. We have, you know, no one, no one looking at Harris, seeing him boom around the the jump course, know that he was like killing her legs, trying to keep that <laughs> momentum going, you know? You know, just coming out at the end of it, just like her legs want to fall off. Yeah, you know? sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Pouring with sweat, yeah. And it looks so easy, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. And he looks so easy. He looks like he's just doing it by all by himself. But if, you know. That's a mark of a good rider. <laughs> that's a mark of a good rider. Yeah. But you're the same, you know, and. What's enjoyable about that is watching someone who's really good at something do that thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so Buck has that in it as well. But no, not just that. He's, unlike some horse whispers we could mention, but we won't, he's incredibly modest about what he does. Mm-hmm. He's not out there pumping himself up and stuff like that. He didn't make this documentary. Someone else met him and went, this guy's fantastic. I have to make a movie about this person. Because there's just no one left like this guy anymore. Like, this is a disappearing person. Mm-hmm. And... uh yeah, it's a it's a fantastic film to watch the process and and even his even how he deals with people. Oh, I think that's that's the thing I love about him because <laughs> that's the thing I am not good at. Like, there's yeah. some crazy people out there. Oh, there are crazy that want people. some magic yeah. being done on, yeah. on their behalf, and he'll call them on it. Yeah, he, like that lady with uh with a stallion that's trying to kill people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, I can't remember what he says to her, but he says, "Lady, you've you've got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to go home and examine what's going on in your life that makes you want to have six stallions, one that will kill someone." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, no one <laughs> Pretty, had said that to her before, no, probably. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never said that to her before. Yeah. Because no one would understand that, mm-hmm. and no one under- like that's the thing. Like you know, when I say that we're separated from nature, we we're separated from the nature of animals. You know, like we don't understand like. Like, I'll never, I mean, you know, it'll be in my memory forever, but I was standing with these people in their backyard where they had six Percherons running like maniacs everywhere, you know, because they stupidly insisted that I start with the hardest one first, and which got all the rest of the horses excited, and it's turned into this giant stampede of six giant Percherons <laughs> running round and round, but one of them kicked out its back, back legs inches from this man's head, and he had no idea, because he was looking at me. And he wasn't looking at this horse running behind him that kicked out its legs in excitement. And I just about died because I was just like, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything to him. Cause, but if that had hit him, he would be dead. Yes, like yeah. seriously dead. Because yeah. Percherons, for people that don't know, once again, they are big, like kind of Clydesdale-like horses, mm-hmm. big farm horses. And, you know, and, you know, your advice when you're in a situation like that is, no, let's start with the calmest and we'll work our way backwards, mm-hmm. you know. But... Nope, they wanted to get it. Well, let's get it over with. But you're not going to get it over with. You're just going to make it worse. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened. So instead of being like an easy hour of six horses, it was like three hours of, of nightmare. Yeah. Trying mayhem. to like wrangle these things. And oh, I can't even, And then I had to spend like another two hours talking to this talking to this lady down afterwards. <sighs> I'm no Buck Branham either. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just interesting to watch, watch someone like that who can, who can, um, not just intuitively manage horses, but intuitively manage people, mm-hmm. you know, and he's done it so long, but not in a mean way. Like, even when he said that to that lady, he didn't mean it in a mean way. No, not at all. He's just, this is a fact. Yeah, this, this is, is a thing. fact. Yeah. And you've got to accept this fact. Yeah. Maybe no one has exposed this fact to you before. <laughs> it's apparent to everyone else, but here it is. I'm laying it on the table. 
That's exactly his attitude. It's wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. It is. My we problem. Need, we need more guys like that. <laughs> we do. Yeah. We need, Especially in the horse world. In the horse world, we do need more realism. Because it's hard. And it's hard for, for you and it's hard for any other person who wants to be a coach. Is that you are walking a narrow a, a narrow uh, wire uh, between being realistic and trying to ex- accede to the person who's giving you money yes. to make their dreams come true. Yeah. A friend of you mine know? is... Uh, trainer and judge and she judges all over the united states in a particular i met her and i felt judged (laughs) particular breed um and i I think she was just coming off a six-day show and i'm getting from her facebook post something did not go well on day five (laughs) because she she posted and said something like this is the first day at a six-day show i did not want to go back to the ring and she's since posted a bunch of things about being nice to judges, etc. But one <laughs> post that she she did that I shared was one about when you're a horse trainer, you are put in a situation where you're the person with the skill and the expertise and you're if you're actually getting on these horses, you're the person that, you know, is taking the risks and it's probably the only job out there where people who are far less qualified and experienced and knowledgeable than you are the one calling the shots on if you even get to come back, do you continue this yeah, job, yeah. on and on. Sure. And just kind of, um, it didn't go and complain a lot, of, but basically it just, I've always thought about that, that, yeah. you know, people that know less than me are the ones that are hiring <laughs> and me and firing me. And sometimes they're firing me because I did such a good job that they think, oh, I'm so great. I can do be- even better with these people. And so yeah. they move on yeah. after, you know, we just came off a championship at this show. Oh, we're moving to this other trainer. Okay. <laughs> like I've so, had that happen more in the last what five years yeah. than I have in my whole life because yeah. I don't know maybe because we've had a big change around here and that pe- everyone has a barn and an indoor ring yeah, and blah yeah. blah. So they're it's going for that it's lifestyle culture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it's a very weird thing. But yeah, this particular Facebook post that my friend posted and I shared it just it kind of exposed that yeah. particular thing. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, for you, sure. If you've got people. With the money, then sometimes, yeah, they are making the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And yeah, you or the horse are yeah. at the bad end of that stick. <laughs> I will say, though, for every person who got upset because they took the horse's shoes off to trim the feet, <laughs> uh, most people were who were, in, were who were ignorant of horses, maybe they inherited horses and they mm-hmm. didn't really know what to do or they just had got them for their kids and stuff like that, were more than more than willing to listen to you give whatever I knew, which wasn't very much, let's be honest. But we're willing to listen. Well, you knew far more than them because you yeah, exactly. came out of a whatever two-year yeah. program. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, no. I I knew more than them, but I'm just saying it wasn't wasn't that much. And I, I had a limited amount I could talk about. Like, my, my scope of knowledge was, you know, knee down. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You weren't like uh, how to train this horse and get better behave <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get but, you. This when just to go back to your point about people who've left you to go other coaches, I just want to point out that none of those people have done any better. No, and that's that's the thing I can kind of sit and go, ha ha, <laughs> yeah, like almost every single one. But yeah, whatever. But yeah, there's always more people coming. But then you see these people go by, and oh well, whatever. Oh, well, yeah. the problem is you have a relationship with them, and mm-hmm. you feel like oh, we're friendly with each other yeah. that we have this relationship, and then they're like, no, you're just a utility. Yeah, and you know we're done with you now. Mm-hmm. So long. Shick Shaver, I'm get moving on to the Atra Track Three. <laughs> yeah, and basically you're just you're just like a disposable mm-hmm. razor, not a not a person. Yes, yeah, 
And that's why you don't like any horse person that I'm friendly with. And I know that. I know that. <laughs> You're like so heels dragging in the ground anytime we uh, have to go into a situation where there's horse people. So, yeah. No, I see that. I get it. <laughs> I know. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it is. but Oh, it is. It is. Huh. Yeah. At, at least 95%. That's what it is. What about my incredible laziness? Oh, my. <laughs> No, you're not lazy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we talked about Buck. Okay. What about, you mentioned it earlier, Jockey. Jockey. Another movie that I really like mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. The one being the cinematography. I think that is similar to Lean on Pete. Mm. Beautifully shot. Yeah. But even more beautifully shot than Lean on Pete. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that film is that it brings you so close into what it is to be a jockey. And right down to that, the the race where he gets all the mud on his face, mm -hmm. which yeah. spells the, the, the doom for yes, him. Yes, yeah. Because he's on a losing horse. Right. And it's all indicated, like, symbolically, like, through uh -huh. through the physical situation. And that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's just brilliant filmmaking yeah. right there. Yeah. And that film only grossed, I think, like, 2,000 opening week. Baloney. I'm pretty sure it did. It had a very... No, no, I mean, yeah. I just mean that's garbage it because is. it was such a good film. It was very good. I think the story was great. It was well acted, mm -hmm. absolutely beautifully shot. Yeah. Again, like Lean on Pete, very realistic mm -hmm. insider look at what goes on in the jock room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the life those people live. And uh, similar to the rider a lot of those people were actually jockeys yeah, and they were yeah. speaking they're they're telling us their own personal stories yeah yeah as you know i was just talking about with that facebook post as a trainer <laughs> you can be disposable these people like physically are disposable yeah. like they have a crash the horse breaks down they go down with that horse and they break their back oh we'll visit you and then off they go and that's the, them they're never them. they're never seen again yeah, yeah that, and, and never see anyone again unless mm -hmm. they might say they're jockeys because that is a, a close it is it is a close yeah. circle of people you know because that's because they suffer together you mm -hmm. know they're like old they're like an old acting troupe and yeah. you know in the, the old days when they traveled town to town like no there's nothing could be closer than that sort of situation because it's you against the world mm -hmm. you know and same as jockeys it's them against the world the yeah. world of the the racetrack yeah the, the racetrack owners the trainers even those horses yeah yeah and uh we talk about I called, you know, said compared Lisa to a disposable razor, but yeah, jockeys are like the ultimate in disposable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because even, even if they um, don't get into an accident, they age. They age, and yeah. And yeah. your body will break down way faster. Your your working life is much shorter. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like the reducing, like I said, the one student who I have whose dad was a stuntman, before that he was a jockey. Okay. And I think he only had like two seasons that mm. he ran because yeah. he said, I just could not do the reducing. Which they would go into in this movie with where they just eat ice because mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it, it has the illusion of being like food because yeah. you get to chew it, but yeah. it, it has no has no caloric value. Yeah, and then like hours in the sweat box. Hours. and oh my gosh. Yeah, just like all the horrible things they have to do to keep the weight down. And yeah. I mean, when you're a scrawny, like 17-year-old kid, That's not easy. so hard. Yeah. But, yeah, I was once a scrawny 17-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. I once weighed 175 pounds, dear. Like that was my normal weight. I was six, over six feet tall. Yeah, yeah. That's not much. No, no. I don't know what I. I don't know how, if people how people saw me when I turned sideways. <laughs> this is my head, I guess. That's all they saw. Oh, there's Dave. It's a head floating. 
but yeah, no, it's uh, that's in the yeah. I can't remember the name of the actor who plays the main the main role, and I guess he played like a role on Gotham, which is kind of what he's known for. Mm-hmm. And he's married to someone who's also <laughs> yeah. This is the yeah you, font of, you and you and notes. Ian talking about uh, yeah. This is the podcast for people who are like 40, 50, 60 years old who are like who is that actor? But yeah, no, he's married into an acting family as okay. well. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't remember his name. No, he's very good in that film. Very, very, very good movie. That's yeah. That's a uh, that's another movie that I would mm-hmm. rate very highly as a uh, yeah as a racing film. And I can see why you like it because it is not a fantasy. <laughs> it's reality. And that movie is not very hopeful. It does not end in a happy way. No, no. Things are just what gonna are. get worse. Things are worst, what they are. Rather, yes, yeah. not worst. Yeah. <laughs> so. I had a list of things here, but it wasn't on my list for some reason. The the snowman. What about that one? You, I know you saw that. I did see the snowman. I don't have much to say about it because it it it's um it's another documentary. It's about a man who bought a horse that he called Snowman, and he was like a he was just like a kind of a farmer, right? No, no. He he was uh, later he became a farmer because oh. he was able to buy a farm. He was. Uh, come as a refugee after the war from Holland yeah. and he basically got a job as like the horse master right at a, at a, oh, like a that's girl's right. school yeah, yeah, that's and right. so that's how this horse came to them yeah, is he right. was looking for school horses and I at that, that time in the US um, farmers were reducing numbers of horses drastically as they were exchanging their workhorses for tractors yeah. and it doesn't really ever I mean the even their pleasure horses, because they had yeah. motorcycles and cars and yeah, things. So. Yeah, I, I have heard that the Amish don't like gray horses, so he probably wouldn't have been an Amish horse, so he probably would have been a farmer's work yeah. horse. Well, so. he, wore, he wore zippers. Oh, yeah, yeah, so definitely not Amish, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the thing, that I'll just say, the one thing that really stuck out in that movie for me, personally, is that the New York Times covered small horse shows <laughs> around like uh, you know new york like not just new york city but around new york state they would go out and they would we're just looking at the, the cast of people from this movie from jockey yeah 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 like i know i know like the top three people in it quite like as actors like oh, uh clifton collins jr plays the plays a lead character in it mm-hmm. and then uh, molly parker well-known canadian actress no, she's in, Canadian. Yeah, she's I been in many, that. many movies. Uh, early in her career, many of them naked, which oh. is why I, re- I always appreciated that. I don't know why. I just thought she's a really great actress. <laughs> naked. Naked. And then uh, Moises Arias, I don't know how to say his name. He's he's in that movie, The Kings of Summer, about those boys that build the fort out in the woods. Like They build their own, this big giant fort out in the woods, and their parents don't know where they are, and and uh, they just kind of make this little kind of secret world for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in it as as one of the characters. He's very good in it. And wasn't he in a big controversy of a, some famous guy's daughter and he was in bed with her or something? Really? I think so. I don't know. I might be wrong. I don't. Uh, this movie did not do much in the way of box office, though. No. 121,000 total, even now. Speaking of uh, indie bands, The National did the music for it. Bre- oh, Brace yes. and Aaron Dressner did the music. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. And I love the music in that. Yeah, like, it's the, really good. The yeah. cinematography was absolutely beautiful, and the music was absolutely great, and the acting was great. And yeah, there was so much about And well-directed, too. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's give Clint, Clint Bentley some, some props. But it was, it was uh, Adolfo Veloso who did the, uh, the brother of Catano Veloso. 
Really? No. No? Oh. Just the same last name. I just okay. maybe yeah. think of it. Maybe Must be Brazilian. Relative. Must yeah. be Brazilian. But yeah, no, it's a very good film. Yeah, Molly Parker plays the trainer who, you know, you feel like, oh, they have this great relationship and they're very, you know, and she'll always be there for him. She'll never let him down. And oh, and he goes <laughs> at the end, just like, oh man, this is a cutthroat world because she has to be cutthroat too because she has to win. She has to win because otherwise she won't get horses from, from owners. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's strive, everyone's like sc- scraping by in that world and it's sad. But no, that yeah, that's the thing that I remember about Snowman was was the idea of the New York Times, and I guess this is what I always find fascinating about about the horse in the gray flannel suit as well is this horse world that was once so popular that you would it would be in in Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. in in New York City, which also had stables in it. If if you've seen Eyewitness, the the John Hurt uh, Sigourney Weaver film, there's there's a sequence in that film involving stables in like downtown New York City which existed even in the 1980s, which is, like, mind-boggling. Yeah, just the idea like that the, the New York Times is sending out uh, some cub reporter. I can't imagine that they sent out their top top reporter. <laughs> now, you can stop covering the uh, mayoral corruption scandal. I want you to go out and uh, report on this uh, two-foot-six two jumping competition out in uh, Teaneck. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fascinating to me that, that, that once upon a time, horses were in our world to that degree. Because, it, like, you know... I'll say it again. They're just not. They're just not in a world the way they once were, you know. Mm-hmm. And not that our not that horses are like nature. I don't. I'm not implying that because they're not horses, but that's our loss of connection to nature. Do you remember that movie Unbranded? I do not. That was the one about the guys, um, and they were rounding up horses, and it was basically. I think uh, sponsored by the Bureau of Land Management. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't like that movie. Me neither. Because I don't like the Bureau of Land Management. Mm-hmm. It's, Bureau of Land Management is just a is just a giant uh, scam by the government to uh, get rid of horses. They're horse killers. Yeah. Remember how when you were a kid, how you felt about the SPCA? That's how I feel about the Bureau of Land Management hmm. as an adult. I didn't feel that way about the SPCA when I was young. Oh, didn't you? No, no. Maybe because we had a friend that worked there. Oh, okay. Very close friend who yeah. worked there. And so we actually got a lot of, well, I know they got some really great pets from SPCA. And we ended up acquiring a number of different animals from the SPCA. So, I mean, if I had worked there and seen what went on, but I was just a kid who was oblivious. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, now around here, everything is a no-kill shelter, but back then it wasn't, so I was not aware of that, so (laughs) I probably would have had a different opinion of SPCA at that time. Yeah, that's what we thought of it as. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the the childhood thing was uh, stupid people killing animals. Oh, okay. But that's dumb because, guess what? Killing starts with a K. (laughs) But anyway, don't tell that to the kids who told me that that's what it meant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it doesn't start with this. The killing doesn't start with the SPCA. It starts with bad owners. But it does. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, as kids, I mean, of course, yes, it's just a, it's, once yeah. again, it's a simplified thing. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, like the that movie is way too self-aggrandizing. Those guys think a lot of themselves mm-hmm. and their belt buckles. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't feel that way about them. Basically, that movie is like it's like an hour and a half long uh, country music video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm on board with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a number of movies, horse movies that I, as a horse person, probably should have seen, and have not. Mm, so, such as 
Well, the Horse Masters, which is the Disney one. I've not seen that. Um, oh, the one about the... Oh, no, I don't know what that is. I believe... Well, there's one called the Horse Masters, which is about, I believe, the people at the um, Vienna Riding School. But okay. then, yeah, Miracle of the White Stallions is the one about... Yeah. You haven't seen that either? No. And I, I w started watching it, but I was busy and I turned it off. I got maybe five minutes into it. I know okay. Louise watched it. Yeah. And it was one of the things I was going to do this summer and just been too busy. So yeah, it's it's on my to-do list. Like sure. It is probably the most kind of imminent top of the list thing to do yeah. as far as actually watching a movie. Um, well, that's good that you plan that. I, I just plan a series of bad mishaps and unfortunate accidents. <laughs> it's called my to-do list. <laughs> um, there is a movie about Shergar, which I thought I probably should see as well. Mm. Um and there's a movie about Ruffian, who was a great racehorse who okay. broke down, which I would like to see. There, uh, Reader's Digest did a great article on actually just on the process of her breaking down. Oh, wow. I know. And it was just kind of like, oh, my God. Um, you, probably didn't, so, you probably didn't keep that article, though. No, no. <laughs> but it was like so well written. Yeah. Um, and it, talking about all the tendons and ligaments and what was happening each step wow. and how, as a racehorse, she was just like... I shouldn't say compelled, but yeah, just kept going. Like, it wasn't yeah, that like, was her training and yeah. also her love. Yeah, and also the adrenaline, just like flooding her system. Yeah, yeah, is, that's you true. Know, yeah, so there's but, all of that. But I do think that. horses are team players and mm -hmm. they want to be with you as mm -hmm. part of the team. Yeah. You know, and so they're eager to please and to their own disadvantage, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, there was a whole series of books by a lady called Marguerite Henry um, called sure, Misty. Sure, Misty of Chincoteague. Yeah. yeah, so I would love to, um, A, go to that place and see that thing, Chincoteague. I'll we'll have to drive there. Yes, I think maybe we'll go there one day when <laughs> I'm 70, maybe. I don't know. Um, and But yeah, there's a movie Let's called Misty. Planet for that far in the yeah. future. Yeah, so there's a movie called Misty. It's probably like old black and white. I'm like, oh, this is dumb. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. And then the Rocking Horse winner from 1949. So probably it would be Carol black and Reed. white. Yeah, director of the Third Man. Okay, I probably wouldn't like it just because it's such an old movie. But the story I love. Yeah, I love that story. Mm. I mean, it is such a story. I don't know why I love it. Of neglect, <laughs> child neglecting this child. Yeah, and um, just taking advantage of this poor child and these two horrible parents who are not overtly horrible but yeah. yeah just casually horrible to their own child yeah and so yeah not not into him which hmm. is is it's such a sad story but yeah it, yeah i've not seen that movie either and that, the subject matter is probably why i've not seen that movie it doesn't sound mm -hmm. doesn't sound up my own. it sounds a little too close to home he, well yeah the, the boy always reminds me of you every time i read that story i'm like oh dave <laughs> <laughs> I little, little Davy. <laughs> <laughs> I was a happy child. You're a happy child, yeah. And then, yeah, there's one called Japaloop, which uh, I actually saw on TV a short while ago. And I'm like, oh, or maybe it came up on the internet or something. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I should watch that. But yeah, it was on my list of, but I never got around to it because it was, yeah, too. But Japaloop was, um, yeah, one of the top jumping horses oh, maybe okay. like 20 years ago. Yeah. French horse. French horse. But. Good, good name. Yes. So those are some movies that I haven't seen. I've certainly seen a lot of horse movies, but there's a lot that I haven't seen for like racing stripes. Yeah. I have no interest in a movie like that. And I don't think racing I've... stripes. Sorry, what is yeah, this one? Yeah, that was the one about the zebras racing. I think that's what it was. I oh. saw like trailers for okay. it, and then 
is it called Cimarron or something? Like those animated ones of the wild horses. Oh, yeah. None of those interest me <laughs> at all. So, because well, you're not interested in you're not interested in horse fantasy, which is why you don't care for National Velvet and things like that. We've established this. So okay. these okay. movies aren't for you. Like yeah. you, what we've established during this conversation is that the movies that you and I like are movies that take us deep into the world of, of horses mm-hmm. in a way that rings true to us through yes. our experiences with, with, you know, more you than me because you've had more extensive experience around the world of horses. Mine, mine was just as a farrier, doing, you know, doing backyard horses for people. I didn't, go to, I didn't work at the track or anything like that. So I, I don't know that world the way that you do. But I, I know enough about it through you that, that I, when I see these movies, I can tell that, you know, when they have the, the ring of authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you look for in, in these films, is a feeling of authentic mm-hmm. uh, love of horses, horse ownership, you know, that the that it's not just mere uh, fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, because you deal with customer, you deal with customers, clients that already live in a world of fantasy. You don't want any more worlds of fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I think probably we could wrap it up on that. Although I want to say one thing. Which is again more on on that same line, which is going back to the Secretariat movie. Yeah, and I think the story of Secretariat in that movie, I think it was good, and mm-hmm. like we said, probably most of it was fairly true. There's stuff they left out, but they can never have a horse acting as Secretariat that would be yes. any be near as yeah, good. Yeah, that's the where horse. they lost me on that movie. <laughs> totally lost me on that movie because the horse that was running supposed to be secretariat yeah just look at that thing it ran with its head up in the air like a giraffe and i'm like that <laughs> like secretariat was able to use his whole body yes he, ran. he used his he neck ran like, a, like piston. a piston yeah, he ran yeah. Like a piston, and yeah. so every part of his body was used to propel him forward yeah and that enormous stride that he had that was so absolutely breathtaking like that that horse is pure athlete like Every every cell yeah. of that horse was an athlete, and then the, it was act, just the a, actor horse. The actor was horse, not. no, no, not at all. So yeah, they they lost me with that movie yeah. just in poor casting. Although yeah, like you said, it would be hard to find another secretariat like moving horse. Yeah. but yeah, I think that just that did it for me. But yeah, it's uh, I guess <laughs> for I for like, most people though who watch it, they will not they will not see that mm, at all. Yeah, we went with Pony Club, yeah. like all the kids, and yeah. they all liked it. Yeah, right. But you were disgusted. You threw your you threw your popcorn down in disgust. <laughs> yeah. So horse movies. We're throwing our popcorn down in disgust. <laughs> that is our review of horse movies. <laughs> no, there's lots we talked about that we like a lot. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know, if people are people want to follow our our advice, they will see the movies that we talked about that we liked. Even Snowman, which I didn't have much to say about, I still think is a good film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just I saw it once a while ago. and I Yeah, no, it's interesting. It had a lot of um, interviews with people like mm-hmm. George Morris and others who were very influential on the scene at that time. Yeah. And as you said, it gives a good insight into just the way things were. The milieu that of that yeah. time, yeah. Uh, the, the, the world of, of horse racing. Or not, sorry, not horse, horse yeah. racing, but show horse jumping. Yeah. Show jumping in the, of that time period. You know, uh, in that place, I think, yeah. you know, if you were in like you're not England see, or Ireland, yeah. it would be different. That's true. Yeah, or Toronto, even, that's it would be true. different. But for the most part, you're, you can go to local shows and you're not, it's pretty rare that you're going to see like a giant man on top of a horse doing uh, jumping. Mm-hmm. It's just, you don't see that much. You know, you may, if you go to like Grand Prix level stuff at, yeah. at Thunderbird or whatever around here, you'll see 
men writing, but you just don't see it that commonly. No, in, no. Yeah, yeah, you have to get to the big shows, and then it's, I won't say all men. At, when I was young, it was almost all men, mm -hmm. um, a few women. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of trend well, has changed. But It's yeah. cha changed, but because the horses have changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I think a lot of people compete at a lower level, too. Even if you go to big shows, yeah. you know, like Thunderbird's going on right now, but... When I was young, I'm thinking Olympic, but yeah. Okay, so, but, but yeah. yeah, when I was young, juniors started at three foot six if you're jumping. Okay. And Oof, first big. year green yeah. horse was three foot six, and Yikes. then second year green was three foot nine. And if the horse had shown more than two years, then you were showing at four feet. And this is just in the hunters, not yeah, in yeah. the jumpers. Yeah, yeah. And then if you wanted to do a championship in the hunters, it was four foot six. And so. Yikes. I mean, hardly anyone shows at those heights. Like the cross pole classes and the two six classes yeah. are packed, yeah. and then it really narrows down. It's a it's a triangle where <laughs> yeah. you've got fewer yeah, yeah. people at the top sure. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting seeing that change because that happened around here around 1980. Well, it's you a way know, to encourage people to to keep riding. I mean, well, it's yeah, and it it facilitates the business of horse shows and trainers and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And we saw at that time the changeover from people riding thoroughbreds to people riding warm bloods because mm. they were bigger and slower moving and theoretically a little bit easier to ride. So a different type of horse that you could put maybe a less skilled skilled rider on because if they bump around on a lot of the warm bloods, the, the, that horse just like when you started riding, right? Yeah. I put you on tippy and bj who yeah. are very well trained yeah. but they were thoroughbreds yeah, and, and if I... you gave a little bit too much aid zoop, off you went <laughs> and you ended up in yeah in the um, fence in the fence or whatever i'm going to say don't land if you're going to land on a fence do not land with the slap between your legs <laughs> that's when i learned riding horses one of my first lessons that i ever learned is uh the horse is going to go and you're not going to go with it yeah and so the horse that you really learned to ride on was serene who was a warm blood, yeah. who was a green warm blood that I had in for training. Yeah, yeah. And so I was able to put you on her because she's a do, 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 <laughs> and she just clump along, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Not yeah, much fun to jump on, though. No, but far less reactive than the thoroughbreds were. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a type of horse that you can put a less skilled rider on. And I mean, That's me. Yeah, some of them were... I mean, there's so many beautiful warm bloods and there's so many great warm bloods. Um, and they certainly nowadays they dominate at the top levels, but they've also in a lot of ways changed even from what, if you look at the Olympics in 1984 to now. Yeah. What a dressage horse was doing at that time, what event horses were doing at that time, very different. And the, the sport itself has changed. Yeah. Um, and partly. For many different reasons, but some of it has to do with the type of horse that we have involved, too. And also movies. <laughs> movies yeah, have ruined horses. Yeah, going back to that. Just so. joking. Yeah, throwing our, throwing our popcorn down. And <laughs> yeah, that is the end of our story. <laughs> Hey, we got a we got a email sent to us. Oh, okay. Let me just pull that up. So we got an email from Hannah Reppert. Hope I said your name correctly, Hannah. But Hannah says, "Good evening." First off, how did she know it was evening? <laughs> She's smart. Wow. First off, I just want to say how much I love your show. Well, thank you very much. What do you th what do you say to that, dear? Thank you. 
I was wondering if you would look into doing an episode on this. And then she sends, sent a link to a show that we did do, Hannah. Now, if you go back to, we think it's season two, episode one, it's, the episode's called Candy. You'll find that we went into the story of Helen Brock and the, her, exper- her uh, experiences at the hand of the evil Silas Jane. And you can go back into the first season, you can actually hear more about the, the Jane family and their uh, nefarious doings and dealings. So there you go. So we have covered it. If you want us to cover more, we could, I guess. She says, this went on in the area we used to live. So that's scary. Mm-hmm. Stay away from Candyland. Mm-hmm. What was it called? That, no, Silas Jane. Jane Town. No, that's from uh, Firefly. <laughs> uh, well, um, Silas Jane had a number of different stables. I can't remember. And I cannot remember any of them, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll just it's all keep gone. my mouth shut. So, yes, you replace that information with other information. Hannah goes on to say, I don't know if it was connected, but they also used to run horses up bleachers at the local high school and break their legs for insurance money. Oh, wow. We didn't hear about that. We but didn't hear yeah, about that. Yeah, that's prob- probably, yeah, all connected with... The Jane family. Yeah. Or at yeah. least Silas Jane. Yeah. And, I mean, that whole group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Was we could go more into that, but Lisa refuses to. Yeah. That's enough already. <laughs> when we get desperate in, in season six, yeah. we, might re- we might return to it. But she says, thank you, with an exclamation mark, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah, for writing in. That's very nice of you. And that's all the comments we had this week. Uh, no one commented on last week's show. That's too bad. But uh, remember, if you'd like to comment, you can go to the website, which is called SneakyDragon.com. That's where we host all of our podcasts, including the our uh, flagship podcast, Sneaky Dragon, as well as a new podcast called Refresh My Memory, which is a podcast uh, with my cousin Jason Dedrick. Keep it in the family, right? My cousin Jason Dedrick friend of the show, Eric Fell, and another family member, Vicky Van, uh, talking about movies and refreshments. And so they talk about a film and maybe make a refreshment that's that's sort of based in the milieu of the film or something that suggests the film. And they have a fun conversation around it. And so the first one is out now. It's They watch Jaws, and they make a Jaws-based cocktail. So give that a give that a listen you can go to this the uh, website of course sneakydragon.com you'll find it there it's called refresh my memory we'd love for you to listen to that and if you'd like to leave a comment on this show you'll also find episodes of horse mystery there all the way back to season one they're all there for you and you're welcome to listen to any of them and comment at any time and we'll we will go back in time to to, uh, read your comments and comment on what you say we also have an email address which hannah used which is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com you can write to us via email and we have a Facebook page that Lisa has put together, and that is a kind of a repository of research and interesting facts about each of the stories that we talk about. So you can go there, you can find each episode, and as well as supplementary material that you can uh, look into more detail about all the uh, doings and takings. Although, yes. with this whole, is it called meta? Meta? Yeah, thing. I cannot post stuff anymore. Oh, because they they, if they banned. Yeah, if it's from the newspaper, you can't you yes, can't post yeah. no news anymore. You could link to a Wikipedia article, but you can't link mm-hmm. to uh, to the news. Yes, that will resolve itself somehow, I guess. Yes, I think so. But anyway, we do what we can, everyone, in the metaverse. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. We appreciate your contributions. We appreciate hearing from you. So please think about writing in, and also reviewing the show on one of the many ways you can review shows nowadays, whether it's on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to, you can leave a little um, review, 
some stars, whatever you want to do. We appreciate it. And I think that's all, dear. Only thing left is to find out what the next episode is called for the final episode of the season. Episode 8, it will be... Well, you were talking about fox hunting before. Yes. This one's called... It does have a little bit of a tiny bit of a link to fox hunting, but it's called Fox Catcher. Oh, Fox Catcher. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. There's a movie. I don't know if that's going to be related to what we're going to talk about. We'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. Dump, dump, dump. Next week. I'm sorry, not next week. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll hear all about it, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye.